You're listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us at 1pc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. Please bow with me. O gracious God and most merciful Father, who has given us the rich and precious jewel of your holy word, assist us with your spirit that it may be written in our hearts to our everlasting comfort, to reform us, to renew us according to your own image, to build us up and edify us into the perfect building of your Christ, sanctifying and increasing us in all heavenly virtues. Grant this, O Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. This morning I'm reading from the book of John. John 12, verses 1 through 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this anointment not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Not too long ago, uh, Beyonce caused a stir um, by pouring out um, um, an expensive bottle of champagne into a jacuzzi. A, a picture surfaced on social media uh, where um, this real expensive bottle, she was in a jacuzzi, poured it out, just emptied. It was an incredible waste. The, the amount that people were estimating was um, uh, several hundred to even a few thousand dollars. And uh, there was lots of comments about she's pouring my college tuition into a jacuzzi or uh, the, the things she could have done with that money. And um, it wasn't an extravagant, and it was an extravagant waste if it actually was um, the champagne. And, um, and, and in a sense, it was wasteful because it was simply poured out almost to uh, let everyone know how incredibly rich and wasteful she could be. I know it had to have caused a stir that, that I possibly became aware of anything uh, related to Beyonce, and I, I'm assuming you've heard of this event, if I have, so um, 
I, I imagine some of the, the comments and the thoughts and the criticisms of seeing that poured out would have been the same thing when we hear this story of the woman uh, of Mary pouring out costly nard, uh, this um, perfume on Jesus' feet. Um, it was an extravagant amount. Uh, we don't uh, deal in a lot of denarii, but to put it in modern amounts, um, a trained laborer, um, annual wage, $30,000, $40,000 in a moment poured out on Jesus. The other Gospels talk about his uh, head being anointed. The amount of this perfume uh, would have been a large enough amount that it would have spilled over all of him as he's reclining at table as they're celebrating this feast and people are just in shock. The, the fragrance fills the house. It's a massive amount. A massive amount of wealth to be poured out, but not wasted. This wasn't just a, some kind of display of, of wealth or uh, a wasteful use of this. It was gracious, loving gratitude given to Jesus. Too often we hear these stories in isolation and we don't let the full impact of them hit us. But if you'll remember what we've been dealing with in John, what we've been seeing is uh, Jesus has been away from Jerusalem and Bethany is near Jerusalem. Jesus has been away from there because the, the leaders were wanting to kill him. And he hears that his friend Lazarus, that Jesus loved, uh, was at the point of death and he returns after the death, risking his own life, um, because there were those there seeking to kill him. He comes back into the area where he knows they are in order to bring him back to life. And Mary runs to meet Jesus and sees him go to the grave of her beloved brother, uh, the man she was probably staying with, whether she had not married or whether she was a widow, the one who provided for and whose house she stayed, and, and calls him back and risks his own life and performs an amazing miracle. How would you respond to someone who brought someone back to life, for, bring them back from the grave that you loved? Would you not be overwhelmed with gratitude? Would you not be looking for some way that you could show how much you loved them, and how much you appreciated what they had done for you. And so she takes this uh, outrageous amount. She must have sensed something was going on, and she pours it out on him. This beautiful smelling fragrance to, to show her love dripping on him. And then she unloosed her hair, which would have been... Um, something proper ladies would not do. And she wipes the excess off his feet, humbling herself in the form of a servant, cleansing him, and just to show her love and her gratitude. You know, there, there's times we, we don't... Um, the way we respond to Jesus is in our understanding of what Jesus has done for us. And whether we would be willing to give up and a costly gift to Him, 
whether we would be willing to humble ourselves and serve, and whether we would be willing to give up a costly amount, all depends on what we see when we see Jesus. Do we see one who gives us life? Do we see one who forgives us? Do we see one who gives us wonderful gifts and does more than we can ask or imagine? If that is the case, then giving ourselves in service, giving ourselves in worship, giving ourselves in obedience to Him is nothing. Uh, I mean, if we see Him for what He has done for us, a year's salary is nothing compared to everlasting life and forgiveness and the blessings and the joy. So that should shape the way we see the, the little things that we do in following Christ. Um, when we say to ourselves, I don't have enough time to pray, I really can't make it through a chapter of the Bible and spending time with Him. I really don't have time to give in serving those in need or, or giving of what I have to those who are in need or giving to the church or in service and in finances and in helping out and being part. If we ever say, I, I just don't have enough time, or it's, we're saying it's not enough, important enough for us, and if it's not important enough for us, it's because we don't see Him as one who is worthy because of what He's done for us. We don't, like Mary, see one who gives us life, who has given us grace, who is worthy of, of pouring out an outrageous amount in gratitude and love. Now, this wasn't a, hey, Mary, if you do this, then I will you know, give these things to you. It's, it's a recognition of what Jesus has done for her. And it's a, a, a good way for us to examine ourselves and, and the things that we do how much are we willing to give out and give up and, and spend of our life for Him who gave so much for us? Giving of herself and giving this wonderful gift is her who loves Jesus and is grateful for Jesus becoming more like Jesus. For He didn't give up just you know, a certain amount, he gave up his very life. And as we read this, what we see is in the next chapter, Jesus is going to go to his disciples at a meal, and he is going to stoop, and he is going to wash their feet in service as he is getting ready to give not just a bottle of perfume, but his blood for them. And so, she very much is becoming like the Jesus who wipes the feet of disciples. She very much is like Jesus who gives of her very self. And this wonderful gift bears witness. It fills the room. It, it is told. It does more than just um, serve Jesus. Other people now see it and they see Jesus in new light. They, what Jesus has done bears witness and brings others to know Him and to see Him as valuable and worthy and glorious. I think there's almost an echo of, of this, of, of as they see this gift that she gives to Jesus, our, Jesus' effect on people, Jesus' effect on you, and the way people see you respond to Jesus leads others into faith. 
This closes out with saying other people come because they want to see Lazarus. They want to see the one Jesus raised from the dead. And they come to faith because they see Lazarus. Isn't that something? Isn't that just saying to us that when Jesus sees us who he has brought to life, I mean, when other people see you who have been given new life in Christ, it's one of the ways God uses to bring them to faith. If he sees you as renewed and restored and resurrected, as people see you worthy, seeing Jesus as worthy to give of yourself and all that you have to him, that fragrance fills and shares with others who Jesus is. So her gift to him and our gift to Christ is out of gratitude and sees him as worthy for that But notice, it immediately brings criticism. Our service and our giving to Jesus, and the way you serve Him, the way you love Him, and the way you do things, there's always times people will criticize that. You know, whether it's the world that looks at us and the things that we do, uh, it, it, it boggles my mind at how many people are kind of protesting anyone saying they, they're going to pray for somebody. Does that not seem bizarre? But I mean, there's people who, uh, you know, very vocal that thoughts and prayers are useless. Even your prayers are going to be criticized. Even, you know, doing good works. I mean, anything you do is open to criticism. And I I can see this often in the church um, where people not only do the things they feel they ought to do in, in, the, in following Jesus and obeying Him, but it can be very tempting to look at others who choose to do something different and take a very critical approach. It's very easy to do. Let me tell you, it's incredibly easy to criticize the way anybody else follows Jesus. Because you can always find something else they ought to have done. We, we will never do what, all that we could do. We're, inc- we're limited. We're limited in time and space and resources. And you can always make an argument for somebody else, you know, given to this mission instead of that mission. Spending your time, you know, if, 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 if it's a group that worships, um, the criticism is they ought to be serving others. If they're serving others, it could be criticized that they ought to be teaching. If they're teaching, you could be criticizing that they should be uh, spending their time just being good neighbors and meeting unbelievers. So there should be anything you do, you can find somebody who criticizes. And let me just warn that, you know, that, that's an early stage I see in new believers is they kind of get a point where they say, oh, I've got it. And these other people, um, they, they really haven't gotten it yet. I understand what ministry and what Christianity really is. No, no, no. There's always a Judas saying, you know, that money you've given to worship Jesus, you really could have fed the poor. We're pointed out that Jesus did not say this because he was caring about the poor and it's very often the case that we don't criticize others because of a legitimate concern, but it's a really good way to make us feel like we're superior Christians. Jesus did not do this because he cared about the poor, um, but because he was about to betray him. John sets up an incredible contrast. Here is Mary giving out 300 denarii worth of perfume to anoint Jesus and to express her love and gratitude. And here is Judas, who is willing to hand over Jesus to be killed for 30 pieces of silver. 
That's what Jesus is worth to him. He's how I can get something, how I can acquire something else. Not someone I lay down my life to worship, but someone who is useful for me and my gain. He would never see Jesus as worthy of worship if he sees Jesus as somebody to use to get what I want. And in this, we are pointed to Jesus' death. Jesus' return to raise Lazarus, what, is, what ultimately led him to going to the cross in human terms in this scenario. And he says, um, this ointment, let, leave her alone about it. You always have the poor with you. Now, Jesus is not saying don't give to the poor. I mean, you, you read anywhere in um, the Gospels, you see one who is compassionate on those in need. But he uses it to point to his cross. I, you will not always have with you. I'm about to go die. I'm about to pour out my life for you. And so that brings us kind of to a, 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 this contrast. Do I see Jesus as one worthy of giving out everything I have and laying down my life and my resources and my time to worship and to praise? Or do I see Jesus as someone blocking my way? Someone who might be useful for 30 pieces of silver? Someone who hasn't done enough to earn my love and my, my um, gratitude? There's one other thing, is, as he says, you will not always have with me is... Um, it reminds us that this gift, any gift to Christ, is not only something that is done out of gratitude. It's not only something that is going to be criticized, but any gift, any giving, any serving of Christ needs to be done now. It needs to be done in the right time. I had a professor in college. I went, I would visit him, uh, talk about papers that weren't up to snuff or whatever and on his wall he had a round piece of paper with the letters t-u-i it no t-u-i-t 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 on it and one day i had the courage to finally ask him what in the world is this little circle here with the t-u-i-t and he said apparently one of his colleagues got tired of him um, not doing something he said he would do because he kept saying he was going to get around to it and so they made him around to it, and he hung it up in his office. There are so many things that we're waiting for around to it. They're not that impressive. You can do something without around. How often do we say, oh, next year I'll start reading the Bible? Or uh, next week I'll start setting time for prayer? Or... You know, I'm, I'm, when I get to this amount of money, I will begin giving more to the church. Or when I'm in this place in my life, I will give more service to Jesus. When I'm at this point, I will give more concern with those in need. Uh, when, when I have this set, uh, you know, I, I will be um, reaching out to neighbors more. I understand our lives and our circumstances do shape us. And I, and I know there, there are times that we can't do things because the timing in our life demand certain things. But very often, those are just excuses and we can continue to put them off. If Mary had not anointed Jesus here, her time would have been gone. For in six days, 
He's on the cross. This was the moment to give. I'm going to suggest that there's, there's things in your life you might have been putting off. There's been things you might be procrastinating that you say, I want to do this, but the timing just isn't right. Perhaps now is the timely time to pour out your life and to give all that you have to one who is worthy. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you would show us the love Christ has for us and the gift of his life that is given to us so that we might see him as one worthy of giving of all that we have and all that we are to worship and to obey and to follow. Lord, strip away every excuse we have from doing that wholeheartedly. Strip away every excuse we have from doing that today. Christ's name we pray. Amen. And you've been listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us and listen to other sermons at onepc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee.